Hi, my name is Mark Aldrich. I'm a co-host on the web series The Happy Hour Guys. Together with Gunhill Brewing out of the Bronx, we've created the Curtain Up Beer Project, an open-source hazy IPA that raises money for arts and entertainment workers unemployed by the pandemic for over a year. Go to curtainupbeer.com to find out more. We're asking breweries everywhere to help us give a hand to people in need. I'm John Hall. This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. Sean Burke of Foreland Beer in Oregon is my guest today. And we're going to talk about an underappreciated style, getting into nature, and the brewer's evolution. But first, a reminder to check out BeerEdge.com for articles for our merch shop, episodes of the Beer Edge podcast, and more. Plus, follow Beer Edge on social media at The Beer Edge and catch up with all things smoked beer on the This Week in Rauk Beer page on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram at TWRaukBeer. And always defend Pilsner. And you can learn about advertising and supporting this work that we're doing by reaching out to Liz Melby on email. She's always available at liz at beeredge.com. Speaking of that, this episode is brought to you through support from NZ Hops. In a little country far down in the Pacific, you'll find a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. This is NZ Hops. The industry originated in 1843, not long after the early settlers arrived from England. Years of partnership with a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations sees the current-day master growers proudly providing 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd. And while many beer clubs are great for gifting beer, the Rare Beer Club is especially suited for beer enthusiasts and brewers looking for access to rare and often exclusive craft beers. They've stood the test of time since 1994, in large part due to their commitment to quality. Once curated by the beer hunter himself, Michael Jackson, the club prides itself in living up to Michael's reputation. I can vouch for them here. I've sampled me some pretty cool stuff over the years, including an Oak Age Saison from Jolly Pumpkin created exclusively for club members. Their personalized shipment program allows you to customize each shipment and skip beers you don't want to get. Get 50% off your first shipment when you sign up for an open-ended ongoing membership at BeerMonthClub.com and use promo code DRINKRAREBEER. There's a two-shipment minimum. And we'll get into the show in just a minute, but on the line is Greg Taylor. He's the Director of Brewing Operations at Source Brewing in New Jersey, and he's joining me now to talk about the brewery's diversity and inclusion scholarship. And Greg, I know you're looking to make a difference in the brewing industry, so tell us about this scholarship. At Source, we, we definitely believe that variety is the spice of life when it comes to you know a lot of things related to the beer industry, different beer styles, the way that the evolution of brewing has spread across the continent through spreading ideas. I think it's something that you can't separate from any industry and it's a healthy facet of all parts of life. And just listening to the past year, um, a lot of awareness has been brought to diversity um, and equal access for everyone. And we think that, you know, craft beer industry can do a little bit better in that. And so we wanted to take initiative and take some action um, and helping to facilitate that. And we thought the best way would be to offer uh, a 
diversity and inclusion scholarship for someone of a minority group that's underrepresented in craft brewing to get an education um, through the Siebel Institute of Technology, which is where I did my studies in the concise course in brewing technology. So this year we're going to be awarding that scholarship and we'd, we'd really like to reach this audience. And for those of you out there who want to get into the brewing industry, but might not know the best way to go about it, the scholarship could be for you. How can people apply for this? Send us an email, info at sourcebrewing.com, just telling us about yourself and, and why you think you're a great candidate um, for this educational scholarship to encourage diversity and inclusion. Awesome. Greg, uh, you'll be back at the bottom of the show to tell us a little bit more about this. But for now, I'm going to invite everybody to check out sourcebrewing.com to learn more about the brewery and to follow at sourcebrewing on social media to learn more about the scholarship. Sean Burke is my guest today, and I'm thrilled to be talking with him. I've known him as a brewer for years now, and even spent time with him in New Zealand at a festival a couple years ago. And from the time he started as a professional brewer, he's been on the brew deck spearheading some of Portland, Oregon's best and exciting breweries, including the Commons and Von Ebert. He made headlines last summer when he announced that he was heading out on his own to open his own brewery in McMinnville, Oregon, that would eventually become known as Foreland. It opened in the pandemic, but Burke has used his experience to guide the business and his team and sees a little bit of hope on the horizon for this business that has repeatedly had to adapt before its doors even opened. He spoke to me from Foreland, and I started off by asking him about what's coming up. Here's our conversation. You've been open for a few months now, and I know you're no stranger to brewing beer and getting beer out to the people. Is there a beer in your tanks right now that you are giddy about, excited about getting in people's glass? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, we've got we've actually a number of things. So, I mean, we're kind of at this stage where I uh, feel like everything's really starting to get kind of dialed. So I feel like, you know, some of the versions of, of beers that we've made over the past few months are starting to really dial into where we want them to be. Um, so our, we, we kind of built the brewery around Pilsner. And so our, uh, our kind of, kind of regular offering Pilsner is called Landform Pils. And uh, that is really, really hitting a, a sweet spot right now. Um, other than that, we, uh, there are a couple of, hop forward beers which is sort of another another thing we're focusing on and with that it's uh you know not solely just ipa so uh we actually have a really really awesome pale ale in the in the tank called upstream mend and uh that is kind of more the sort of modern american pale um you know where it's a little less (laughs) trying to be exactly like sierra nevada but um (laughs) Which is a great, fantastic beer, but uh, you know we want to put our own stamp on things too. So yeah, um, and that one's that one's just you know using some more some newer hop varieties and kind of a, a little bit lighter grain bill, but that's tasting really really nice. So that's currently currently what you're excited about. Um, I'm always sort of amazed when I talk to brewers that just open. And they're saying, you know, like, uh, like we perfected this the first time out. Here you go. And I'm like, cool. Like, this is, this is a pretty good beer. But what are you going to strive for next? Um, 
and you've done this a few times now. You've worked on brand new systems in the past and, and new places and uh, new recipes. For you, how, how many times into it do you feel like you really start hitting that sweet spot where you know, it's finally starting to taste exactly the way that you want? Right? Is it is it yeah. the first time out or is that just a – if that happens, is that just dumb luck? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think that I don't know. We live, we, you know, it's such an interesting beer climate right now, where where kind of the new is, you know, the new beer is sort of what everyone's seeking. So, you know, you're, you're getting this kind of climate of this this constant first batches of a lot of stuff, and uh, and you know, so like you know, the creative side of me is going, oh, that's great, you know, because we get to just come up with all these new ideas, but the the sort of process side of me is going oh man i wish you know next time if we if we ever brew that again i would change this and this and this but i also think that you know coming from so i've i've had the the extreme luxury of being able to design or you know be a part of designing two of the brew houses that i've worked on Mm -hmm. and those i found tend to do tend to create better first batches of things. So right out, you know, right out of the gates, um, really because, you know, you're sort of building it to suit. Um, whereas, you know, my current situation, this was a, you know, this was an existing brewery that I, you know, purchased. Um, it's a, you know, it's the sort of inherited equipment syndrome where you really have to figure out the, the nuances of the system too. And, yeah. um, so that's and that's you know that's kind of what we're doing now. I mean, we've been we've been making beer on it for a little bit, but you know each each little thing and and you know when you don't when you don't know the day to day of a system and you kind of first start to brew on it, it you know like any system, you know like anything, like you know you get in somebody else's car, you got to figure out how to drive it. You know, yeah, so, same thing. So I I feel like for us, you know, it's like it it definitely in when you know so like the landform pills that i was just talking about i feel like that's taken multiple batches because each time we're tweaking some small thing and rather than just kind of reinventing the whole entire beer so by you know just fine-tuning it you know i feel like sometimes you get it right and sometimes you have to really sit there and fine-tune beers and and sometimes you you make something that is a total miss you know it's still going to be a good (laughs) beer but it's not what you're intending right and so um that's you know and that that i think that happens to the best brewers and and what makes you a better brewer is figuring out how to get that into the glass of the public and have them be like oh this is a really good beer and you know you and you secretly you're going "Eh, okay (laughs) but uh you know yeah I'm, i'm not saying it's like you know it's all about subterfuge it's it's really about like you know perfecting your craft and you know there's it's it's a process and if something in the process doesn't go correct you know which is often um then you you need to know how to deal with that when you're thinking about tweaks or uh if, if something is a is a you know a rare miss um it, it's still good to drink and it, you're you're still thinking about you know how you're going to do it better the next time. Does that ruin the pleasure of drinking that beer for you? Like as it is on, like on tap right now, because you're thinking about, okay, the next time I make this, I'm going to do this instead. 
does yeah. it take the pleasure out of it? It does. I mean, I think that any any brewer worth their salt, that's literally how they drink every single beer. You know, it's it's and I mean, I think that's, you know, that, that kind of leads into there's, you know, this anomaly that p- people have discovered that brewers like, you know, mass produce lager. And part of that is, is that for the most part, you know, that's beer that they don't have to think about. You know, yeah. it's just it's, you know, this sort of you know, flavor light beer, but, um, I, you know, it doesn't a hundred percent ruin it for me because I think, you know, like anything in life, you have to be able to look for the positive too. So, cause if it's, if it's garbage, you shouldn't be putting it out in the first place. And, Oh, I agree um, with that. And I've, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty clear and, about that. And I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't saying like that you're putting out flood, flood pints sure, or sure. You know, diastole or anything like that. But if, totally, totally. but if you're saying like, Oh man, I wish I had used this or, you know, added it at this point or, you know, whatever, you know, the, what if is. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's always there. But I mean, like I say, I mean, you're kind of evaluating every single beer you drink. If, if you're, you know, the people that really make the best beers are the ones that are, that are about the fine tuning. You know I mean? We, we have a tagline for us that's, that's ever evolving. And that's, you know, it's, it kind of speaks to that of like, you're just constant, you know, because we're working with agricultural products, right? And so, and we're a small brewery, so we don't have these locked-in hop contracts of, of <laughs> you know, selected, you know, beautiful blah 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 hop. So, you know, we're I, kind I, of. I feel, I feel like you probably know some people in the hop industry well, that you could sure. probably give a call to for. Definitely, and and it's you know, and it, and it's knowing who who may be long on certain hops that I knew that they selected blah 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 you know or or just but the, you know th- they could be selling it for a reason <laughs> you yeah know, it could not be good so but it, it's definitely you know i mean i i personally have not spent a ton of my career uh, barely any of my careers focused on hop forward beer so so you know now i'm kind of learning that aspect of it but but so those relationships aren't like super strong in my world but you know we did buy hops in the past. So. I, I, I always struggle with this when I think about Oregon because mm-hmm. in my mind, it's a hop forward place. Yeah. And, and I don't know why necessarily that's true because when I, when I also think then like, rationally about some of the better known beers that come out of the state or have historically come out of the state, it's been a Hefeweizen or it's been a Porter or it's been, you know, right. it, it, but for some reason, and maybe it's just because it is a more evolved beer culture, and that's where hops were early on, um, that that I that I think about Oregon. But then when you're talking about loggers, and obviously you have what you know Lisa Allen is doing at Heater Allen, and you know what Wayfinders doing these days, I, all of these you know great lager breweries that are in your state, um, and breweries that are trying other styles as well. For somebody like me on the complete opposite side of the country. What is Oregon's beer scene like today in <laughs> yeah, 2021? That's, that's, that's a good observation, you know, cause I think, you know, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating history and, and, you know, really it's so, so born out of the pub culture, you know, and that's, and it's still very evident here, but, uh, and so a lot of those beers are what, what are, you know, kind of built the foundation around, around these parts. But I think, you know, we're also for a very long time had the most breweries. And so I think yeah. there was definitely a point in time where people started to stray from the model and say, what if I could, you know, 
how am I going to be different? So if I specialize in this one particular thing. And so, you know, I mean, I think like anything, it, it, it changes with the fads a little bit too, you know, and, and some breweries change with the fads as well, you know, and they say, you know, we're the Porter only brewery. And then two months later, they're you know, a haze factory. And it's, and I, you know, I don't fault anybody. It's, you know, it's still a business. <laughs> you got to make money, but yeah, you know, I also, you know, the, the, the consumer in me wishes that there were, you know, like if I'm going to go get Porter, I'm going to go to ecliptic because, you know, John makes one of the greatest porters around, yes. you know, that kind of thing. And, and so, you know, I wish there was more of that. And I wish that, you know, breweries like upright brewing or you know you mentioned heater allen or wayfinder yeah who who are who are finding a little bit more you know wait or uh, uh heater allen has been around for for a bit longer of course and and has really stuck to their guns which i you know i mean i think that has to be highly respected and and um but i think that you know going back to kind of your comment about the 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 hoppy the hop heads I think a lot of that's consumer based too, you know? So um, even if beer was coming from outside of the state, it, it, a lot of it was partly just the consumer was, is highly educated on beer. And, but we're also, you know, you're close to the ingredients here. So it, it, you know, and specifically that ingredient. So I think that that has kind of led into the sort of perception. And I think there is a reality. I mean, I think, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of my career not doing those types of beers and had to kind of uh, do a lot of education, I guess. <laughs> and, like self-education. You know, yeah, self-education, but also customer education because, you know, people come in and they're like, well, where's your IPA? And, and you know, and in previous jobs, you know, at the commons, we didn't, we didn't make one until the very end. And uh, I, you know, part of me was just always like, well, try something else, you know, just because it's, you know, IP, IPA became the, the like, I'll have a beer, you know, <laughs> and um, I'll have an IPA. And and it's like, yeah, I, I highly encourage people to try something else because, you know, if you want something that's very flavor forward, you know, a lot of the farm fowl sales that we were making were very flavor forward. Just it was based off of fermentation, not hops. So. But I, I remember visiting Portland at, at some point, maybe 10 years ago, and just being amazed that people were just walking in and just saying, I'll have an IPA and yeah, not yeah. not ordering a specific one, but just yeah, exactly. like ordering by style, which sure. you know, outside of Pennsylvania, where you order a lager and you get a yingling, like I, I'd right. never seen that before. And, sure. you know, so I, I guess that's sort of, you know, why I was thinking you all are so evolved um as 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 beer drinkers yeah and i think i mean i think there is an element of that and i think it's just it's i think for for the longest time it was purely just you know volume just the amount of breweries around and you know it, bec it becomes a bit of a playground for the consumer to just say oh i can you know i can go to this place and try this and do this and have this you know and um and again, like I say, I think just proximity to to the growing region for hops has sort of led that. But I also think, you know, I think like anything, you know, if there's a, a concentration of breweries that tends to draw in people, um, you know, on the professional side. So I think that there's I've seen it where, you know, the early days of my career were really about, you know, people that were sort of 
from around here that had worked at maybe this place or, or, you know, most of them came from working for the McMinimans or, 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 yeah. you know, and they were all kind of sort of the central thing. And then, then there was a shift where, you know, the, the scene in the industry became, you know, just really exploded, you know, 2010, 2011 era. So you saw a lot of people moving across the country to be a part of it and be, you know, to want to be, you know, and, I mean, you see that in Colorado, you know, you of see course. That in, in the, in the, you know, in, in Nashville, you know, all that now Austin, you know, you see, you're seeing these concentrations in San Diego where people are, are coming from other places. So they're bringing kind of new ideas in. And I think that that, that has led, you know, like, how do I make this brewery different? Well, we have this great relationship with such and such hop farmer and IPAs are starting to be popular. So, when when you first became interested in brewing and then wanted to make a career of it and was put in charge of a brew house, what did you want your focus to be? Did did you have a singular or you know a two or three desired style approach? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was, and luckily I landed that job. But uh, it was really about sort of mixed culture beer, farmhouse ales and lager. And that was just, you know, that was my passion when I was a home brewer was, was making those types of beers. And, um, and I was really fortunate to be able to, my very first brewing job was, you know, we, we kind of decided that that's what the beers we were going to make, you know, were, were those types of beers. So, um, I was also really fortunate to learn on, you know, somebody else's dime how to make those <laughs> a little bit better, you know, and I mean, I, and I'm thankful for that, you know, the, the commons in my mind from the, the, the few times that I visited, um, although it was you know, numerous, uh, on, on various trips to, to Portland, it wasn't just like one per, uh, visit that I was there. It seemed like I was just going back daily over the course of five days if I was if I was there for five days um, still holds a really special place in the minds of I guess people from Portland who remember it but also people who visited and remembered it um, mm-hmm. what was it like on the inside for you being part of a you know a, a beloved brewery that yeah I, I I don't mean to say this in a mean way but you know um, you know, never really got to see its its adolescence. Sure, um, it was stressful at times, but <laughs> you know, I mean, any job is stressful. Yeah, times. I was gonna but, say. Yeah, but I mean, I I also think you know one of the things that I've you know sort of brought into this new project or you know this this what I'm doing now that I really really appreciated about there was a just the the family the feeling you know being a small intimate company means that you're 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 dealing with the best of times and the worst of times together you know and uh and i think that was you know that was one of the hardest things to lose was you know i i was very fortunate enough to be able to hire an incredible brewing team Mm -hmm. and and working with them you know that's you know that's how you make really great beer it's not about one person and blah 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 it's about the the passion and drive of everyone and you know and if you're smart you'll listen to the people (laughs) that are working for you and with you because generally they're smarter than you are (laughs) so um and i was really fortunate to hire you know 
incredible, incredible staff for that. And so, you know, missing that, that kind of, that family feeling, um, you know, I think that there was, there was an interesting, it was an interesting time in the industry because I think, you know, there's a, we were able to do a lot of things on a whim that I don't think we're able to do now. Like which, what? Uh, just, just as far as the creativity. So, I mean, you know, we, we were so centered around making, you know, these kind of farmhouse beers and, and really trying to work in a lot of like culinary angles to, to ingredient choices and stuff. And I mean, I think you can do it now, but you're never going to have that, that no, I shouldn't say never currently not going to have that, that kind of buzz around it because, you know, the fad has sort of moved on to something else. And mm-hmm. so, um, that's not to say that there aren't, you know, there's not an audience out there or people that could be turned on to those things. It's, it's still, it's just, you know, it's a little bit tougher when people are, are kind of focused on something else. And so, um, and so I think that, you know, I, I miss the ability to just kind of showcase something that was like really, really harebrained and it would work people would appreciate it. Now I, I feel like we have to be a little bit more cautious and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it just shows kind of a maturity in the industry, but, and in the, in the consumer, especially, you know, to say like, you know, I mean, we certainly didn't put out, you know, not every single beer was amazing by any means. And so, but some people thought that, you know, yeah. <laughs> and so now, now I feel like some people can be like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And, and, or even the idea of it. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the big, you know, big things missing about that. When you think about the commons and then you were at Von Ebert, uh, mm-hmm. and now you're at your new place as a brewer, as you think about like the beginning of your career and where you are now, uh, with, you know, significant time under your belt, um, I'm not calling you old, by the way. I'm just calling you experienced. <laughs> that's, that's right. um, um, how how have you seen yourself change as a brewer? That's it, great. Um, how have I seen myself change? I I feel like I'm a lot more technical than I used to be, which is fascinating because I came literally out of brewing school <laughs> into the commons. But yeah. I mean, you know, we also had a lot of information kind of shoved down our throat and you, you know, you retain some of it, but <laughs> you know, I, I never had, well, I mean, I think, a, a, I think, you know, maybe the right thing to say there is, is I've also just had over that time, I've had the ability to work with other brewers. So, you know, being, you know, for the most part, people that have worked for me, but I've been able to learn from them, which I think is really important. So, um, you know, a lot of people that I know have worked at multiple places and that's where they picked up their skill set and then, and then, you know, kind of brought that to the table at whatever the current situation is. And for me, I came straight out of brewing school into the job at the commons. And so, you know, the, well, I think good brewers will always make good beer (laughs) regardless, but I think, you know, that it's really about that sort of fine tuning and that's what I've learned to really, really pay more attention to because, you know, 
the overall brewing process has is, there's not much changing about it you know it's still still making sugar water you know uh, <laughs> but uh but it's i i really feel like it's been just sort of kind of I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, truthfully, the biggest evolution right now is that I spend less time brewing and more time doing all the other ownership stuff. Yeah. Well, the fun um, interviews. Yeah, totally. Totally. The fun interviews. (laughs) Right before this, I was taking photos (laughs) for social media. I I, I put my I used to be a carpenter before this. I was doing that a couple of weeks ago for a tasting room. And um, it's it's that kind of thing that and and I mean, I think that's really the maturity for my career has been, you know, sort of slowly, I guess, stepping out of the brew house. I mean, and it's, it's not to say I don't brew anymore, just doing it less and, and you know, currently with Forland, really concentrating more on running and helping to run a business. More with Sean in a moment. But first, a word of thanks to this episode's sponsors, and I hope you'll give them a closer look. NZ Hops is a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years to produce some of the world's finest hops. NZ Hops are like no others, unique in their flavors and aromas. Visit nzhops.co.nz to explore more. The Rare Beer Club is especially suited for beer enthusiasts and brewers looking for access to rare and often exclusive craft beers. Get 50% off your first shipment when you sign up for an open-ended ongoing membership at beermonthclub.com and use promo code DRINKRAREBEER. And Source Brewing in New Jersey is looking to award a diversity and inclusion scholarship to the Siebel Concise Course in Brewing Technology. And if you're close to the brewery, a paid internship. Send an email to info at sourcebrewing.com and tell them why you're interested in the scholarship or to learn more. This is seriously a great offer and opportunity, and I hope that you'll apply. And now back to the conversation with Sean Burke of Foreland Beer in Oregon. So Foreland, I, the description that I've seen online, uh, you talk about finding uh, beauty and drawing inspiration from the diverse natural world around us. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that sounds like a really wonderful thing that you might see you know, crocheted on a you know needlepoint <laughs> or something like that, uh, you know, hanging somewhere. But uh, knowing you and knowing your beers, I, I'd love for you to sort of explain to everybody else yeah absolutely what that um means. yeah yeah so i i i spend a lot of time out out in nature it's it's kind of my soul medicine you know i'm, I'm not religious but i i it's just you know it's my way of pu- pushing the reset button and so um really kind of conceptualizing this we, we kind of wanted to talk through like what where do we draw inspiration from but you know there's also, you know, factoring in like a branding theme and all that kind of stuff. So um, we kind of looked around, you know, we're in the beautiful Pacific Northwest and we're located in McMinnville, uh, which is the heart of Willamette Valley, basically. So we're surrounded by, you know, the coast range I can see from my office desk and, you know, the Cascade range is That's I can cool. see when I drive home. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and we're in the heart of wine country as well. So um the Oregon wine country or, or one of the Oregon. Wine countries. <laughs> so, um, it's, a, it's a great thing about this state as well. But um, so, so for me, it was about, I, you know, I've always kind of had an interest. It's, 
in in the natural world and so you know i like to spend time rock hounding i like to spend time you know fly fishing and 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 i'm and or hiking and you know and, and i'm so i'm seeing you know geology geography i'm seeing you know the weather i'm seeing all these things and so i i'm you know there's 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 been and there currently are plenty of sort of lifestyle outdoor influences in in beer and we kind of said well what if we took you know it's really not about the the destination it's about the the journey and what you see along the way so you know really going you know it's not a not doing carabiners for your tap handles it's it's, it's <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that i'm not sure you know, i don't want to but pick on been, anybody but it's been done it. yeah Totally. It's been done. And so, and so, you know, I mean, and it's not to say what we're doing is like hugely original by any means. It's just, it's just what we're into. And so, um, and it just creates this, you know, this, this way of presenting our beers, marketing our beers, being inspired to do the beers that doesn't feel forced because it's, it's something we take interest in. So, um, and so really, you know, like I say, it's, it's, it's appreciating the natural world around us. And I think that, you know, not to get too controversial, but we also live in a time where a lot of that is sort of disappearing. So I'm, yeah, I want to kind of really remember, you know, I'm, I'm a native Oregonian. So I, I've seen, you know, this state around me change so much in my lifetime and, and, and sort of, and that's a lot of what we're losing, you know, whether it be just through development or, you know, wildfires, climate change, all that, uh, population growth, you know. So, um, and, you know, kind of a, a second part of that was really, you know, brewing being such an agricultural-based uh, industry, you know, being being where we're located, having this brewery be outside of the Portland metro area and being in the Willamette Valley where there's so much farming and, and you know beautiful things growing around us and so we really wanted to kind of you know be at the heart of the RI you know I really wanted to be at the heart of that for for being able to bring in ingredients that really speak to the place you know that we're 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 making the beer you mentioned something before um you said the word weather and mm-hmm. People do talk about, you know, oh, this is the beer for fly fishing. This is the beer for, you know, rock collecting. This is the beer for whatever, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, weather is one of those things where it's something we're all experiencing at the same time if we're in the same geographical location. Um, mm-hmm. It's obviously something that's on your mind. And I, I, I don't even know the right way of asking this question except for how does weather in your mind influence your beer making or your beer drinking? Sure. I mean, I think it, I think weather influences everyone's beer drinking. I mean, you look at San Diego, for example, (laughs) you know, I mean, like look, look at the beers being made there. It's, it's made to be drank in that weather. Yeah. So it's not, you know, the the Imperial stout capital of the world, (laughs) but, uh, but I mean, I think that's a, you know, that's something to be noted about, you know, being where we're located in the part of you know this part of the pacific northwest weather is a a very variable thing and i think that uh you know i tend to be a weather drinker uh it's not to say i i you know i'll drink pilsner year-round because i love it but but you know there's definitely a time when you know i'll go to order a beer and, and 
a stout, you know, sounds great. Or a porter sounds really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, or that real easy drinking farmhouse ale on a beautiful sunny day is sounds, you know, the thirst quencher, so to say. And, um, and I think, you know, it's one of the things that we find here is that, you know, sun is a, is a, uh, uh, a commodity here. So, so, you know, outdoor beer drinking is such a cherished thing. And so, and we, you know, we really built that into our, our, uh, our plan for the brewery here. Cause we have such a large outdoor space, you know, uh, patio and beer garden space. So, and just knowing the fact that, you know, people like to b- drink beer out in the sun and, and, I mean, although this last year, this has also taught us that people will drink beer outside in very cold weather. <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, it, it, having enormous space is probably a benefit, especially launching in the middle of a pandemic. It is. Yeah. And that's I mean, that was we knew that right in the beginning. I mean, I I brewed the first beer here in October um, of 19. And, you know, of nine uh, no of 20 oh okay um yeah so it's it's fresh <laughs> um but uh it knowing that that it was going to be a pandemic uh you know and that you, at that time there was no really foreseeable end to it so um there was kind of always this idea that well when we can have people you know they're going to drink outside and it was also you know literally fall going into winter of you know this pandemic so knowing that we weren't going to have this like instant cash flow from people coming in and drinking at our establishment so we very strategically tried to set up distribution right away and you know set up a really good partnership and then um and just went straight into package as well which is nerve-wracking to say the least yeah and and you know I mean, we literally canned our, our very first beer and it, you know, luckily it was serviceable, but, uh, that's tough. You know, I, I, I wish I had the chance to really hone in and dial some of the stuff to, to really be able to present in package, but you know, it's, it's not the luxury I had. So, yeah. uh, we, we really just had to kind of use the tools we had and, and make the best things possible. And so, and now as of two weeks ago, we opened the patio tasting room here and, you know, the weather right currently, you know, going back to the weather the weather is beautiful and sunny right now. But, um, you know, last weekend was a bit stormy and weathery or, you know, and blustery. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's, it's, we have, we have heaters and we have a fire, you know, a gas fireplace outside, but you know, not the entire thing isn't covered and it's not. And, and that's good because there's still a pandemic going on and all these things. So eventually that will, it will be able to kind of grow into having this, you know, be the, the spot that we really think it can be as far as just this amazing beer garden and, and uh, you know, place to, drink beer and have some food but um so it's been this kind of weird journey of like kind of hard to start during a pandemic Mm -hmm. but a little bit easier because there's fewer distractions you get to kind of you know build into it i guess so that's such an interesting because you've done this before you've opened places before you've 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 been there and 
there, there's so much talk about the stress of the pandemic outside of the four walls, and, and I know that certainly exists. Um, but it almost sounds like being inside of your four walls while the world was raging almost was a, a, a bit of like a calming. It was. I mean, it's if if you think about one of the hardest things about being, you know, you know, in the prime of 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 you know beer production and and uh, and kind of selling all all that kind of stuff. We, there's so much to do. And let's take summer, for example, you know, it's just such a busy time in the beer industry. And for us, you know, not having the distraction of a bunch of beer festivals that we have to attend and, and be at and do this thing and manage, and the, the, you know, it's and, and not to say, I mean, they're, they're great. They're, they're part of what makes, you know, the industry so great. But but not having that distraction allows us to really, really focus on some of the more fine-tuned details, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're a small company. We're, we're, we're very, very, you know, I think there are three and a half of us currently. So, <laughs> And a um, half. Yeah, I mean, part-time. You know? Okay. So, so we have, you know, <laughs> we have someone. I wasn't sure if you were running like a, like a circus freak show or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, uh I mean, technically, there's four of us. I guess that's a little okay. weird. <laughs> but, 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 you know, I mean, that's, and that's, that's, I mean, we're actually currently about to hire someone else or put out a job posting. But, um, you know, that's, that spreads you thin. And so this kind of allows us to concentrate a little bit more on um, just the small detail stuff and not be distracted by, events and having to go pour at such and such a grocery store and, and, you know, um, and, and really with, with a lot of the lack of, uh, indoor, um, consumption where we're at, you know, it's starting to kind of change it ebbs and flows here and there, but we didn't have draft beer for the longest time. And so it yeah. was literally just cans. And so, I mean, it, the focus was very narrow. Like I just had to brew some stuff and put it into a package, you know? And so, um, it was kind of a blessing in disguise and, and, you know, not, you know, you basically, you're at home, you come to work, you go back to home and, you know, try to go camping on the weekend. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it's a lot. I, I guess I feel a little bit lucky in that, you know, I didn't have an office job that, that disappeared overnight or, mm -hmm. or, or like my wife who, you know, has an office job and now she's working at home and, and uh, we don't have kids, so we don't have the stress of trying to educate our children at home while working at home. You know, I I really feel for the people that oh yeah are doing that yeah no that's 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 tough <laughs> it is you know? it is but but yeah so I it's it's this weird kind of but at the same time you know that cuts into your uh, your bottom line though <laughs> because because you know you're, you're you you there's only so many cans you can put out in the market and it turns out also everyone else is doing the exact same thing. So, um, so we're starting to see draft pick up a little bit and we'll see how that continues as, as sort of the world around us is ever evolving. But, uh, um, you know, I think, I think the biggest thing is, is that for most people I know, they had to figure out how to pivot mm -hmm. and we were able to do it knowing that we didn't have to pivot. We could just, from the beginning say this is what we're going to do 
and then plan for a pivot into the easier side of things when the time is right. So when you're talking about like not having to do like pouring at festivals, going to grocery stores, like doing things like that, when the world does open up again, do you think that's something that you're going to need to do? I mean, that's such a traditional brewery experience to grow sales um, and and, and to get out there. So, so you'll, you'll do that. We will. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, we'll, we'll also be able to expand ourselves a little bit as a company and, you know, have, it won't necessarily all be on, you know, the ownership to do that. And I'm going to pause our conversation and tell you that we are really close to a railroad track and there's a train okay. about to come by. So I'm going to try to go to a, a, a quieter spot, but, <laughs> um, just a heads up. It might get really loud. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, so I think we're able to kind of, we're able to, grow into it and we will we will i don't know that i need to hit it as hard as some people feel like they need to hit festivals um we don't have these giant plans of becoming this massive brewery so yeah you know you know there's sure there's there's making more money but i feel like there are there are ways to do it without having to grow 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 and over leverage yourself too so yeah and happiness is is an important factor as well well, that's something we tried to build in from the beginning is is work-life balance. So I, I I see it too often in this industry. I think it's one of the stains of this industry is that, you know, people literally will overwork themselves and, and they'll burn themselves out. Yeah. Um, and that's not beneficial. You know, I mean, we'd like to keep doing this for a while. So, yeah. you know, maybe we take a little less money now, but it means that we can do it for longer. Um, and, you know, again... How are we going to get inspiration from the natural world if we can't go out in it? You know, if we're stuck at work all the time. So, you, so. you you mentioned the tap room opened two weeks ago, and mm-hmm. uh, it's probably been good to you know have people coming in and uh, getting getting the full on experience. Um, I, I noticed on Facebook, and I think we started talking afterwards. Uh, you posted a a screenshot of a, a form you were making or a sign that you were making that says, "We are a small local business. Please do not steal our glassware." <laughs> yeah. how, how bad was it? Uh, it was pretty bad, <laughs> you know. And and luckily, the signs actually made a difference. Okay. So, um, so it's interesting because a lot of commentary came out of that conversation oh yeah really about you know oh that's why we don't use branded glassware and everything and i and i completely understand that but it it was important to us to to say you know we've chosen specific glassware for specific types of beer that we make and we we want to we want to use nice glassware we, we you know i i'm a firm believer in you know buying nice tools that will last yeah (laughs) um and so i think that you know the i get the idea that you know we i don't want to cheapen the brand i guess is what i'm trying to say and 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 we knew we knew it was going to happen because it it happens and and this isn't our first rodeo you know for for any of us involved so to the extent that it was that it did happen at the, the very first weekend we weren't expecting that and, and that that wasn't part of the marketing budget so yeah um you know to basically take your your opening weekend sales and turn around and spend it on more glassware <laughs> it wasn't part of the plan yikes um, yeah but at the same time i i you know i don't want to say that we're just 
we're just so bullheaded that we're we're willing to just you know go oh it's ne-, you know it's just part of the the deal and we're going to learn to accept that but that's you know sometimes you just need to put some signs up and and slightly shame people <laughs> and, yeah and sure enough i mean it it worked i there we also put some signs i made some signs for the tables that said you know our glassware is for sale not for stealing you know and, <laughs> and and it worked and we sold some glassware so um you know it's a souvenir i get it I've, yeah i've i've you know done it myself i've, and, I've walked away with some pint glasses and yeah, in, in yeah, my earlier and days and some other totally, glassware as well and totally, yeah exactly and i you know i feel bad about it now because it's it's stealing and yes oh um, yeah I, yes even after a couple of beers it's still stealing totally yeah. totally i just it's you know it's I guess the old adage, this is why we can't have nice things comes to mind, but you know, yeah. it's because it, what it does is it forces people to, to use non-branded glassware. It forces your, it forces the experience of other people down the road to be lessened because the breweries and businesses have to react to it. So, you know, whether that's plastic cups, whether that's, you know, Ugh. just generic, you know, and that's again, like that. So why, why you don't want your you beer know? in that? So yeah, and I don't, especially and, at and your house, like like at your yeah at your own place. Exactly, exactly. And so, yes, we knew it was going to be part of the 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 thing that people do, but it it appears to have slowed down after weekend number two, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. And um, and you know, and and a little bit was on us of just you know, kind of we need we needed to be a little bit better about you had you had faith in you humanity. Know. Shame on you. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and I mean, it's that was that I think was the hardest part is like you know, who who steals from a small business during a pandemic and yeah, uh, you know, it that just opened up. You know, yeah, it's, it's and you know that was part of the commentary I got on on my post too was about you know target the big people you know target this and they're like nah just don't steal yeah just yeah <laughs> just, it's it's a simple yeah it, you get to a certain point and yeah just yeah. act responsible when you're at a brewery yeah yeah, yeah for exactly, the entire time exactly. and, uh, sure, and and and, sure. and beyond um i want to bring it back to where we started and you're talking about this pale ale that you have in the tanks and it's been mm-hmm. sort of rattling around in the back of my mind of i don't know the last time somebody on this show talked about a pale ale that they were excited about and (laughs) you know and 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 for the style that really built the the modern u.s industry it's been largely left behind how do you want to change people's minds about what a good pale ale can be and that's not to say that like sierra is not selling you know like a shit ton of of pale ale because they are um but just i i think in the smaller brewery conversations that are happening these days it's just it's not like pale ale doesn't come up. Yeah, yeah. I think it's you know on, on our end it come becomes about, I mean, for lack of a better term, drinkability. Okay. Um, and I, and I think that that it so much of what we're trying to do in the beer that we make is make beer that we want to drink. You know, so I I you know I'm not really you know when we talk about and I'll, I'll come back to the pale ale, but when we talk about you know hot forward beers we're very specifically focusing on west coast ipa and pale ale basically yeah and that's and that's purely because the you know the people that are in charge of it you know all of us are saying well that's what i drink (laughs) um 
the Hayes thing has never really done it for me. Uh, there are some great ones out there, but you know, it's not for me. It's not a beer that I you know want more than one generally. Um, and even with a pale, it just there's there's something about it. There's there's a lot of qualities. Uh, I, I could say what it is, but <laughs> there are qualities about those beers that I don't really find as enjoyable as you know. And I, and I don't really want to use the term session beer, but it's. It's really the concept of, you know, where, where I enjoy drinking beer is, you know, on the patio, you know, on the front porch, on the side of the river, at camp, all of those kind of things. And it usually involves more than one beer. And so for us, you know, main focus is really on just, you know, lager and, and really, like I said, Pilsner is kind of the big, big thing with that. And then, you know, the hot forward beers follow and, and then there's, you know, mixed culture, which is a whole other part of the discussion, Yeah, which we, you know, but that's, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a year, you know, but, um, you, you want to give, yeah, you're giving it the proper time that it needs. Absolutely. And I, 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 I'm a big fan of that. And I mean, part, you know, big part of that, that we we're we're in wine country. And so big part of our focus with that is going to be really the use of wine grapes and, nice. and really kind of kind of blurring some of those lines so you need harvest to happen as well yeah for sure and we need to just be ready for it too so um and you know a lot of that meant just making some of the beers you know making some of the lager and pale ale first while kind of slowly feeding the the mixed culture side of things but but uh but those will be you know that's a whole other thing (laughs) that that and, and in a good way you know i mean it's it's such a it's such a nice thing to kind of go to stay in your wheelhouse with that but but uh but you know going back to the pale ale really what that comes down to is is you know by using our skills to make really really nice highly drinkable hot forward beer i think you know pale ale is such a great platform for that um you know i mean i i remember the very first time having sierra nevada pale ale and and that's what hops were you know that that explained it to me (laughs) because it's such a it's such a like beautiful mattress for that you know and so um you know going and we're our goal is really to kind of not just do one type of pale ale either you know and i think that that really kind of paying kind of homage to sierra nevada because i mean most brewers that i know that's in their fridge, you know, and, and, but then, you know, you talk to some consumers and they're like, Oh, that's, that's what my dad drinks, you yeah. know? And, and, and I get it. Like, so, but the thing is, is that I'm not targeting one demographic. <laughs> so I'm saying, you know, if, if dad likes more of that, well, we have one of those. And if, if, you know, Skylar likes something else, then, <laughs> then there's one over here, you know? And so, um, <laughs> And not to pick on Skylar. No, that, no, don't. That's pick actually on a Skylar. compliment because because Skylar actually picked a really good beer. Okay. Um, <laughs> and you know, and that's that's to say, you know, there's there's always new hop varieties coming out, and you know, one that has this big pineapple presence may work really well with, you know, a medium bodied five and a half percent pale ale. You know, so I just I think. I'm starting to see a little bit more of the rise of the, that type of beer. Okay. And, and, and it's ever so slight and it, and it, you know, of course it may just be that all my brewer friends are drinking it <laughs> yeah, and, and making it, but, 
well, but, that's Brewer, also, but Brewers also eventually pushed the needle. I mean, it's that's a, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's I, I firmly believe that one of the reasons that craft loggers have risen is because you know if that you know I mean one because I was writing articles and everybody else was writing articles that they were going to be the next big thing, um, sure. and we just kept <laughs> saying it until it actually happened, uh, whether or not I mean, it was true. Uh, but you know, but, but yeah, but also you know like, that's what. The brewers were drinking. So if you're seeing brewers drink more pale ale, like that's awesome. Because yep. and I think I think you'll see it. I think more and more you'll see it. I mean, it's it's and I'm I'm not trying to I don't even know that'll be the next big thing, but it, it'll be a thing that we do, you know, and it's and it's just one one angle. It's one part of what we're doing. And you know, that and we're we're rotating it. So we, you know, one cycle we'll do pale ale, the next cycle we'll do a West Coast IPA or, you know some variation thereof and and i and i also think that just gives us here at the you know at the brewery at the the patio beer garden is it gives us a more diverse tap port too you know so um you know i've i've certainly seen it where you go into a place and there's seven ipas on tap yeah you know made at the same brewery and the problem with that is that you're you're sort of sabotaging all the other beers, you know, and, and this is the most volatile beer on the, you know, on the tap list. And, <laughs> yeah. and so, you know, because one has a better name because one uses a, a, a buzzword because one says galaxy in it, it may sell better than the other one. And the other one's maybe a better beer, but it just sits there. So, yeah. So, you know, trying to use those kind of experiences to kind of go, okay, well, if someone comes in and says, oh, I'm more in the mood for a pale ale or I'm more in the mood for an IPA, you know, they can kind of get that. You got them. Yeah. Or a farmhouse ale, which oh. we, we seem to be selling a decent amount of, which is great. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're opened. Uh, I'm looking forward to coming out and visiting your place soon because I've enjoyed drinking your beers in the past. And I'm looking forward to doing it again in person in the future and thanks for thanks for taking the time and yeah thanks for talking beer thanks for asking and, and showing interest i always appreciate it, John. always i i would love to have you well when, i'll uh when the time is right yeah when uh <laughs> when this pandemic is is finally over i've I, I i feel like on the show i've been cautiously optimistic for the last couple of weeks of like it's gonna be great let's hit the road again and then <laughs> you know today i'm like uh Let's all just kind of hunker down a little bit more until this thing goes yeah. away. But hopefully, uh, we just hit a pothole and this is a uh, smooth sailing from here on out. Yeah. Well, when I when I do come, save some glassware for me. <laughs> Can do. Thanks, pal. Awesome. Thanks, John. My thanks to Sean. And now, all I want is a pale ale. What about you? Where have you seen a pale ale in the wild? And who's making the ones that you want to drink? Tell me about it. I'm on email. It's John Hall, J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at BeerEdge.com, or I'm on Twitter at John underscore Hall. And if you encounter smoked beers in the world, join the This Week in Rauk Beer conversation by getting into the group on Facebook or following T.W. Rauk Beer on Instagram and Facebook. And if you check out BeerEdge.com, you can see the official tasting glass of the group. Just look for our merch page. Beer Edge is on social media as well, at The Beer Edge, and we're online at beeredge.com. There you can find episodes of this show, the podcast hosted by Andy Crouch, 
articles, to sign up for the newsletter, and more. And if you want to learn about advertising on this show, please reach out to Liz Melby at liz at beeredge.com, and she'll tell you about our wonderfully affordable rates. And speaking of advertising, I'm really grateful to our sponsors this week. Unlike any other beer club, the Rare Beer Club often works with breweries like the Lost Abbey, the Brewery, and American Solera to create craft beers made exclusively for members. They also bring in hard-to-find, exclusively imported selections such as Fantome's Magic Ghost, West 1112, and H.R. Fredrickson Vassal Brunch, an Amager-McKellar collaboration, which is a 10.7% ABV Imperial Oatmeal Stout aged in bourbon whiskey barrels with Vietnamese coffee. Wow. Their personalized shipment program allows members to customize each shipment and skip beers that you don't want to get. Get 50% off your first shipment when you sign up for an open-ended, ongoing membership at BeerMonthClub.com and use promo code DRINKRAREBEER. There's a two-shipment minimum. We're also sponsored by NZ Hops. In a little country far down in the Pacific, you'll find a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. This is NZ Hops. The industry originated in 1843, not long after the early settlers arrived from England. Years of partnership with a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations sees the current-day master growers proudly providing 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd. As promised, before we go, Greg Taylor is back on the line with me from Source Brewing in New Jersey. They're a sponsor of this episode, and we're talking about the brewery's diversity and inclusion scholarship. And Greg, you've been spreading the word about this initiative through a beer. Why don't you tell us about it? Yeah, so last year we brewed up a special edition of one of our favorite beers, the beer we opened with, Source of Hoppiness. It's a double dry hopped New England India Pale Ale, and a portion of the proceeds from that brew were actually used to fund this scholarship and we'll be brewing it again here in the next couple of months and we hope at the release of this beer to announce the recipient of the diversity inclusion scholarship. Who are you looking to apply and how can they learn more and apply themselves for the scholarship? So if if you're from a minority group that is underrepresented in the brewing industry, so in other words, not some uh, bearded white guy <laughs> like me and so many others are, um, we would really encourage you to reach out to info at sourcebrewing.com and tell us why you think you'd be a great candidate for this scholarship. Thanks, Greg, and uh, thanks to Source Brewing for sponsoring this episode. You should check out sourcebrewing.com to learn more about the brewery and certainly check out at Source Brewing on social media to learn more about this scholarship. And that's it for this week. Nate Weber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes of this show release every Wednesday, and that's when I'll be back again to drink beer and to think beer.